Welcome to the G3 Podcast. I am Virgil Walker. I'm joined today by Josh Bice and Scott Annual. And uh, we're excited for this conversation that we're about to jump into. This this particular topic, this particular subject is a hot button. It doesn't matter when you jump into it, where you talk about it. It gets people stirred up in big ways. Uh, I know and I'm, I'm confident about the fact that we're going to we're going to lean into scripture on this issue and, and talk about uh, women in the pulpit, uh, the, the, the issues around egalitarianism and, and, the, and the battles that seem to be waging not only in, in kind of uh, mainline Protestantism. Uh, but we're seeing that we're seeing it in in some of the most conservative areas, uh, the, the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, this is not new. Uh, this is something that we we see and deal with often. Uh, but it's something that I think it's important for us to open up the text of Scripture and see what Scripture has to say yeah. about these issues. I know you're going to tee us off, Josh. Yeah, yeah. Virgil. Uh, so as we think about the rise of egalitarianism, egalitarianism is is not an idea that was birthed through the feminist movement. Right. It's not something that was a result of the second or third waves of, you know, the feminist movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, we see the birth of egalitarianism in the Garden of Eden at the very fall, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And so, when Adam failed to, to take leadership responsibilities in the garden, and then of course Eve takes those uh, responsibilities, then the fall happens, and and you know the the end result, of course, according to Romans five twelve, is that sin enters the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men for all have sinned. Mm-hmm. But in recent years, within American context within the sphere of what we call evangelicalism, we've been seeing a rise of egalitarianism. Mm -hmm. In fact, according to statistics, according to a study by Barna Research Group in 2017, pointed out that there was a rise in the number of women pastors. According to their study, one out of every 11 Protestant pastors is a woman, Mm -hmm. which is triple as many as 25 years ago. In a more recent study, titled The State of Clergy Women in the U.S., a statistical update, it states that the numbers of uh, mainline denominations uh, and within the mainline denominations, the percentage of clergy women has doubled or tripled since 1994. Wow. Now, when we hear that, what we hear is that there's an, a spike, there's an increase mm-hmm. But this is not just affecting the United Methodist Church or the Lutherans or other people. It's actually affecting what has been considered the most conservative of the evangelicals, and that's the Southern Baptist Convention. Absolutely. And so we're seeing that even with the whole debate about uh, whether or not we should make a distinction between the office of elder and the function of the office of elder. Right in the context of the local church. In other words, should a woman be able to preach on the Lord's Day so long as she's doing that under the authority of the elders and she herself is not ordained right. to the office of elder? Right. And then, of course, with the recent debacle and the controversy surrounding Saddleback Church, which is, I think, the second largest, used to be the the, the largest, largest church within the SBC, and the way that Rick Warren finished his ministry there mm-hmm. is indicative of this spike and this this ongoing tsunami that's really crossing over and through evangelical circles because he, he comes to the end of his ministry at Saddleback, and then his successor is not just one 
pastor, but a, a co-pastor team, mm-hmm. but it's a husband and a wife. Yeah. yeah. And then the Southern Baptist Convention can't really determine whether or not <laughs> the SBC should disassociate itself with Saddleback. Right. So this is all indicative of this problem, yeah. the rise of egalitarianism. It, it makes its way through evangelical circles, particularly conservative conservative evangelical circles like the SBC, kind of in waves. I remember in 2019 when we were at the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, the issue that, that was that was happening then was the sexual abuse scandal that was taking place, you know, where you had 700 or so incidents, incidences of, uh, of, of sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what was leveraged, and, and, and while we, we, let me pause and say we need to be concerned about every single one mm-hmm. of those issues. Uh, they need to be looked at clearly and and carefully and and thought through and and I know we could get we could do a whole nother show on how that's taking place uh, and if it's being and if it's being handled correctly, but but with that said, every every one of those situations need to be cared for. What was what was disheartening to to witness was was the the co joining of ideas or issues. A the sexual abuse issue, which is an issue in and of itself, but it was co mingled with the idea that since the SBC promotes. Uh, a, 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 at least, at least in, in theory, pr- promotes uh, the the the, uh, the the view that that men should be pastors. They, they promote, you know, that 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 idea of complementarianism. That that somehow lent itself to sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you when you commingle those two ideas, I, I just it, it's just it's wrong on so many on so many levels. Mm. One is a, a biblical idea about the role that that men should play and women should play as it pertains to the church of God, that, to, to Christ's church. And what we're seeing is this: we see abuse and and the opportunity that that people take uh, to push their agenda through a you know through through a through, through a tragic situation. Mm-hmm. That's not new. Yeah, that happens often. Yep. Uh, but it's sad to witness. And and so again, I said all that to say it's this these issues come up in waves. Right. And this is just the most recent. I think, of those. I think that's a great point where we we we're seeing sort of a peak in some of these things, sure. but they go further back. They go further back in the SBC, which again, SBC with with its influence and its prominence just is indicative of, of evangelicalism as, in general. Mm. But I remember, you know, I didn't grow up in the SBC. I grew up in churches where you had two offices, pastor and deacon, and they were men. And that right. was just what it was. Right. But I remember when I, when I began to do a PhD at a Southern Baptist institution and, and eventually came on faculty, I started seeing a lot of SBC churches. They had pastors, they had deacons, and then they had ministers. And I was like, what, where does this minister stuff come from? Because that's not a biblical office. Very quickly, I realized that was a way to get women in a pastoral role mm-hmm. without calling them a pastor. Right. So they're still, they still, they still qualify. Right, we yeah. still can be in cooperation with the SBC and the BFNM, but they're really serving the function of pastor yeah. in these churches. Yeah. Oftentimes in children's ministry. Yeah. Right. You know, department within right. the right. church or, or, or their music. music ministry. Right. right. Um, yeah. I mean, I think it's a, it's a huge problem. Uh, Virgil, to your point, you know, we should be concerned about abuse. Sure. But not just physical and sexual abuse. Mm. We should also be very much concerned with spiritual abuse. Right. And I think that if you turn over the leadership of churches to women, that that's a means of of abusing those women. Yes. That's right. 
Yes, absolutely. You're asking them to carry a burden and to do something that God has not called them to do. Absolutely, which is critically important for yeah, us to consider. Yeah. That is that is 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 important to consider, but but that's not part of the debate. And and the reason for that is because, and again, I, I don't I I, I want to stay away from using the term feminism, uh, but that because at at the end of the day, it really goes back to what you gentlemen talked about, which was all the way back to Genesis chapter three, mm-hmm. right? This is this is usurping the authority of of, of man and the role. God God's order uh, for for man, for women, and, and the roles that they should play. Uh, but what you're seeing happening is is culture is infecting, and in, in the way that it constantly does is infecting and deforming the church. Yeah, yeah. that's what you that's what you see happening in those instances. Mm. Yeah, I think it's important for this conversation at the beginning for us to be able to state that um, when we hold to this position, which I believe is clearly taught uh, in you know say First Timothy chapter two. And even if you want to talk about the actual qualifications of mm-hmm. 1 Timothy 3 in the next chapter and Titus 1, um, I think it's clear that God is, has called men to be leaders. But I think you can look at all of the spheres. Mm-hmm. You can look at the sphere of the home, the sphere of the church, and I would even go as far as the sphere of the culture mm-hmm. and, and say that God has ordained just by the way of his blueprint mm-hmm. that can be traced back to the Garden of Eden mm-hmm. that predates the fall. Right. And you can see that God has called men to these various leadership positions, these roles. Right. That's not to call into question the the you know the capabilities of a mm-hmm. woman right. uh, or, or the, the the spiritual level uh, or capabilities of a woman even in the sphere of the home or the church for that matter. Uh, but what we do need to recognize is that this role reversal has been taking place since the garden, and it continues to be a massive problem today. And it's not just a problem like, you know, you're seeing things, you know, that's become more popular today, even in the sphere of the home. Mm-hmm. This idea of of sending your wife to work right. and then you becoming a stay-at-home dad. Mm-hmm. Right. Like a man came to me recently and said, Hey, I was talking to a coworker and he's a member of a church that has an elder that, you know, his 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 wife has a really important job and so she goes to work and he stays home and takes care of the of the children. What do you think about that? I said, "Well, I, I think in biblical categories and I think that that's a role reversal." Mm-hmm. But not just that. Now we're starting to see it, you know, of course, in the church. It's been a raging debate in the church for a very long time. And unfortunately, even very conservative churches are caving on this issue. Mm -hmm. It's problematic. It is problematic. I'm looking at statistics here that say 73% of female Southern Baptists favor women in the pulpit. Wow. Uh, And furthermore, 58% of Southern Baptist men favor women in the pulpit. And so when you have that happening, there's obviously a deficiency uh, in in proper theological education and training and discipleship that is taking place in those churches for them to embrace those ideas. Yeah, I want to turn it to Scott here in a moment to just talk about, you know, the Saddleback issue. But before we get there, you mentioned the SBC in 2019, but I go back to 2018 
And again, I, I, I've been going to the SBC every single year since I became a pastor, but I can remember specifically walking into Dallas, Texas mm-hmm. in 2018 and the whole debate, which was just, I mean, it was unbelievable to me. The hashtags were all over social media and it wasn't an official SBC debate. But it was absolutely a cultural debate within the SBC was Mm -hmm. whether or not a woman should be elected to serve as the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. You had all these figurehead leaders that were, including James Merritt and others, that were actually suggesting that we should elect Beth Moore to be the leader of the SBC. Now, that hasn't turned out well. That right. didn't turn out too well. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that that whole, you know, hashtag conversation and tweet did not age well <laughs> yeah, they, at all. They didn't no. age, they, that, that's not going to age well for anybody. No, no. no. Yeah. Um, but, but the point is, is we're continuing to see this idea. You know, it's, it's almost like a virtue signal. Like, mm-hmm. like we're so relevant and we're so loving right. and, we're, and we believe in equality. Right. And, you know, all, all of this this social justice movement is really at the heart of this conversation. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I think the, the, the problems here all stem from lack of biblical clarity and lack of clarity in definitions. I mean, when we're having to have conversations like happened this just this past year in the SBC and it's continuing uh, over what is a pastor, what is the definition of a pastor, and is there a difference between a senior pastor and the other pastors of the church— mm-hmm. We've, we've got a problem, right? Yeah. And again, I think what we're, with the whole Saddleback issue and now the SBC officially disfellowshipping Saddleback, I think it's it's just illustrating the problem with such a watered-down sort of doctrinal basis, mm. lack of guardrails, lack of doctrinal clarity and, and biblical clarity. Because one, one example, one little rabbit trail when I go down, but I think it's, it's indicative and, and illustrative of what's going on, is you know when that happened recently, uh, there was there was a little bit of a, a discussion on on social media as to whether or not the executive committee ought to have done that, and one of the loudest voices was Adam Greenway, who was the former president of Southwestern Baptist Seminary, who actually stood up in the debate at the convention and made the very point that he raises then in his in his Twitter thread, and his point is that the the language of the bylaws of the SBC. And the the doctrinal uh, how how the doctrine is laid out even in the Baptist faith and message mm-hmm. are not such so that the executive committee had the right to do what they did. Mm. And a lot of people were blowing up and saying, "Oh, Adam Greenway, you're wrong." I think he he clearly had a motivation. I mean, I I know from being at Southwestern, he was he was very much in favor of a big tent approach, not taking a lot of doctrinal stands on these things, especially when it comes to issues of women in ministry. He was very pro women in in leadership positions and that sort of thing. Um, so that's his motivation, and I don't agree with his motivation. But actually, I think his point was correct. Yeah. His point was, our bylaws, bylaw 3, he's saying, uh, Article 3, say that in order for a church to be in cooperation with the SBC, it has to closely identify with the Baptist faith and message. And his point is that the the article doesn't clarify what that means. And so for for the executive committee to say having a co-pastor who is a woman is not consistent with the Baptist faith and message. Greenway's point is, well, that, that that's actually not articulated in our documents, and he's actually right, mm. which just illustrates the 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 fluidity of of the SBC's doctrinal 
you know, doctrinal stand. I mean, yeah. the, the BFNM says good things and takes good stands on, on, on certain things, but there's such a lack of clarity in that doctrinal confession, if you want to call it that. I mean, you literally can drive a truck through some of those statements yeah. and interpret them in many different ways. He's actually right, and this actually leads us to the to the emphasis that we need very clear interpretation of what the Scripture teaches on these matters, and then we need doctrinal confessions and doctrinal statements that clearly lay out what is a pastor and and where can women serve and where cannot women serve according to the actual truths of Scripture. Yeah, as I, as I, as I look at this and listen to what you're saying, it, it, it smacks me in the face in this way. It's like— Whose church do you think this is? Mm. Like th- this, this is this is Christ's church. This is this is the bride of Christ, and we, we've got men in in these particular roles and, and executive committees who are trying to determine how they want that church to function, yeah. mm-hmm. rather than lending themselves to what does the book say? Yeah, right. That yeah. that at the end of the day, that's what we need to be thinking yeah. about. Yeah. In fact, uh, to to Scott's point first. Um, the, the Baptist Faith and Message 2000 was originally crafted in such a way as to be a big tent right. document. Right. It was never really intended to be this document that was, you know, extremely precise mm-hmm. on, on really, really big issues. Now, yes, the gospel, but, but again, I, I would just argue that, that you should embrace a Reformed, you know, view of ecclesiology. Mm-hmm. And when you embrace what the scripture teaches, you come to a reformed view of ecclesiology that leads you away from this cesspool that's so problematic. Right. You know, and again, to Virgil's point, um, again, that's what I love about G3 Ministries is that we're not really intending to try to figure out like which way is the wind blowing. Right. <laughs> we're interested in just being fully and firmly committed to truth. Absolutely. And if everyone wants to walk leftward from us on matters, then, you know, again, they're going to have to be responsible for their own decisions. But for us, what we're attempting to do, at least, is to be very much committed to the truth of God's Word. And on this issue, when you try to make these distinctions between, okay, well, let's try to straddle the fence. She's not ordained to the actual office of pastor, but she can still preach to the church. She can function. 1 Timothy 2.12 says, I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority mm-hmm. over a man. Mm-hmm. And so, again, you see that that aspect there of teaching, which is the ministry of a pastor, but then to exercise authority over. So the, the authority aspect would be the office, but the teaching aspect is important to recognize as well. You and you really have to do hermeneutical hermeneutical gymnastics to get around it. I mean, the the passage says what it says. I just recently heard a, a sermon given by the president of a seminary, uh, not a Southern Baptist seminary, but another seminary, in which he preached this passage and argued that this doesn't mean what it says it means. But it took him a, a long time to argue that yeah. because you, I mean, you literally have to peel apart the, 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 the words here and, yeah. and, and try to argue. And, and he, he then at the end of the message stood up and said, I believe in inerrancy and in the right of a woman to be a pastor. 
and that you know that's not an SBC seminary, no. but it's not too long before that's going to happen. Even in what cons- what were have for a long time been considered more conservative they, institutions. They, 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 they were they were engaged in the first word you use this hermeneutical rather than, <laughs> <laughs> a hermeneutical approach yeah, right. rather than a hermeneutic approach. Right, right? right. that's that's kind of what they were engaged in. It, it's it's a train wreck mess. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really is coming and going. We've we've got to steer clear of that. We've got to get back to what the book says. We've mm-hmm. got to get back to what Scripture has to say uh, on these issues. I, I was raised in that environment where where you know we uh, th- there was a focus on women in the pulpit you know it wasn't mm-hmm. a it wasn't a conservative uh, 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 church uh, environment it was mm-hmm. more of a, of a of a charismatic approach and of course right. in, in black church circles you see this mm-hmm. often it's a very matriarchal system mm-hmm. uh, so you would see that kind of thing often I, I remember meeting my wife thinking oh she's going to preach one day right she's pro- she's probably a better preacher than me right? <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I met her believing that and fortunately man by by God's sovereign grace and direction, we're steered clear of error, putting her in a position where she'd be unprotected, right? In a That's space exactly from right. a standpoint of of, mm-hmm. of, of of authority that God's not granted for her. Uh, she's now under the under the the loving care and protection of, of a man who loves her, cares for her, and shepherds her in our home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also a church environment where, where we have elders who shepherd our lives mm-hmm. as well. And that, that that's what that's what things should look like. And yeah. that, that particular illustration raises the point you made earlier. We're not saying women are not gifted. That's right. We're not saying God doesn't equip women to be to, to be wise. I mean, any any godly man would be a fool not yeah. to listen to the counsel of his wife. Right. right? Absolutely. We take leadership in our homes, but I listen to my wife and I take her counsel yeah. seriously. Yeah. Women are gifted, but God has then ordained that the giftedness that he gives to women in various capacities is used in certain ways, mm-hmm. and that is to rear their children, to minister to other women. God can use women in many different ways, and God gifts them in that way. It's not that they're inferior or that men are, are superior, right. but God has established roles for men within the church, within the home, and I agree with you, Josh, too, within broader society, uh, based on his created order, yeah. and to go outside that, mm-hmm. I agree with you, men, is actually spiritual abuse. Yeah. Yeah. I, I go I go back to something we're, we're doing here at G3 that I'm incredibly excited about. Uh, it's the workshops we're providing uh, for women. Right. Uh, you know, biblical exposition, but it's, 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 it's for teaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not for the purpose of preaching. Uh, it's for them for, as women to get a clearer understanding of the Word of God, for them to know how to unpack Scripture. The first one sold out like that. Sold out right. in a heartbeat. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and and, and my thought is, I, I know there's pent up, you know, uh, excitement about it. Uh, and as soon as we open up the next one, my thought is that that, that will be sold out quickly. Yeah. But 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 we we affirm the giftings that that women have. We affirm the gifts that women have, and we understand their desire for understanding the Word of God mm-hmm. and want to equip women uh, to be able to teach in the home, to teach and disciple other women. They're an, they're an integral part uh, of 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 the foundation and yeah. the fabric mm-hmm. of of, yeah. our, of our home setting. Yeah, this whole conversation. Uh, uh, again, is not calling into question the value or the dignity of women. Right. You know, again, if your wife could outpreach you, Virgil, mm-hmm. she still should not be preaching in the right. pulpit. Absolutely, exactly. Right? Exactly. And she would and, affirm that. She and, would agree. And with that. there are many, many occasions in local churches where there are gifted communicators that happen to be women mm-hmm. sitting in the pews on an average Lord's Day. But that doesn't mean that just because they're more capable in terms of, you know, communication skills, that they should be invited up on the Lord's Day in right. place of the pastor. Right. Uh, again, uh, we're, we're living in such an age where our our society at large can't even define what is a woman. Right. And 
in evangelical circles, we're having trouble defining what is a pastor. Yeah, right? absolutely. And that's probably yeah. not. What's crazy about that, I, I, I appreciate what you said, because my thought mm-hmm. is, is there, there are times when I'm sitting, I'm sure you you, you are as well, as well as as you, Scott, you're sitting in a, in, a, in a situation at a church where you're hearing someone preach who may don't don't have the same giftings that you have, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they may be a little, little bit slower, maybe didn't have the theological education, but but they're in that space on the Lord's Day to give a word from the Lord. Right. And, and we're, we're to sit and listen and absorb and grow and learn from that. The problem is we have this faulty notion that because we're more gifted or more talented or 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 possess talents or abilities that we now have a right to do something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we, we have no right at all. I mean, if, yeah. if we want to play the rights game, God, God should just condemn us to the hell we rightly deserve <laughs> for our sins against yeah. him. But that's not how we operate in these kinds of situations and scenarios. Yeah, and I think what is what is so striking as we've been talking about is the fact that this is not happening in the mainline denominations. This is not happening among those who deny inerrancy this is happening among those who who claim to be who claim to trust in the authority and sufficiency of the word right. who even claim to be complementarian and yet even in complementarian circles we're seeing now discussions and debates not whether a woman can be a senior pastor we're all in agreement on that for now but for, for, now. for now right <laughs> but whether or not a woman can teach for example or preach under the authority of her pastor and we're finding men who once were trusted you know theologians who would to this day claim to be complementarian saying I can be a complementarian. I can affirm God's gender roles. I can affirm the inerrancy and, ori- and authority of Scripture, and still believe that a woman can preach under the authority of her pastor. Right. It, it just illustrates a, a, a problem with our ecclesiology, mm-hmm. a problem with defining the nature of teaching and preaching as articulated in passages like First Timothy chapter two, uh, and and a problem with defining the essence of what a pastor is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those are problems. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I venture to say this. The problem, especially in, in our day, began with the proliferation of some of these women Bible teachers. Yeah. It really yeah. did. Uh, because as, as we began to see that proliferate, especially SBC circles uh, and, and, and even even charismatic circles, mm-hmm. uh, you, you began to get the idea, oh, this is this is OK. Mm-hmm. This is right. Mm-hmm. This is normal, mm-hmm. uh, rather than rather than strictly conforming to what Scripture has to say. I think it's that. notable to say, even with our, our our women's Bible exposition workshops, we have women who are going to be leading the small groups, mm-hmm. but we're going to have pastors mm-hmm. right. who are going to lead the larger groups. Because that's how God designed it, Absolutely. right? God designed men to even teach women. Now, there is the Titus 2, women instructing women, and, and absolutely. Uh, but there, there is this, and it, it's all tied into the whole intersectionality ideology we're seeing. Uh, there's this whole mentality that, well, really, only women can really understand mm-hmm. women. Only women can right. really teach the Bible to women. Yeah. Uh, what we're saying there is that the Bible's not enough. Right. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, there's a lot of discipleship when it comes to this issue as well. I can remember Molly Marshall, who was like the associate dean for the School of Theology at Southern Seminary years ago, who was an ordained minister, ordained pastor. And in the context of her church, she tells the story of in 
in, you know, like the little kids' classes, they're playing church, and little Susie is standing up to be the pastor, and she, she thought that that was a really, really good thing. Mm-hmm. Again, within these circles, you're going to see that, and the children will will be raised in a in a setting within their local churches where they think that that's normative. Yeah. But the problem is it will not just be normative in the church because it will not stay just there on the Lord's day. It's yeah. also going to become normative in the home. Yes. And that's absolutely. a problem. That absolutely is a problem. These are some great issues that we're talking about and discussing. All of it relates to God is sovereign in all things. He is sovereign over his church. Uh, he is in control. He, he's, he's written a book that we read that where we can c- get clear understanding of what he means by what he says and how things should operate. And it's with that that we want to invite you to, to come and join us. Uh, September 21st through the 23rd here in Atlanta for the G3 National Conference. It's going to be a fantastic time of, of gathering, of, of folks gathering together, moms with their kids, husbands with wives, pastors, shepherds, leaders. You won't want to miss it. Uh, get on the uh, website at g3men.org. Get registered today. The, the, I want to sell the thing out. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it would take a lot to sell it out. But <laughs> no, I, I w- actually, it would not at this point. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah. I, yeah you're Thank you, sir. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm already nervous. Are you nervous? Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I, I like to make him nervous. So that said, you get on the website today and get registered. G3men.org. Get registered. Get your tickets. Be there. Join us. Absolutely. Well, as we go back to this conversation about 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 egalitarianism and, and the battles that, that, that are raging, I, I may mention earlier that you're seeing, and, and we've seen this with CRT, uh, we're seeing this with the LGBTQIA issues, uh, and, and then also with with women, the 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 flexing of of kind of their their own authority. I I, I am woman, hear me roar, so to speak, mm. happening in culture, and then we begin to see or witness these kinds of issues seep into the church. I want to ask you, gentlemen, as 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 pastors, as as, as an elder, and, and and what have you, how how do you how do you address that? Like how what what kinds of things can pastors do when they see this kind of thing begin to rear its head uh, in their own, uh, you know, in, in, in their own churches? Mm-hmm. How, how do they, or, or how should they address it? What should that look like? You yeah, know? I, I think that Paul was very clear to Timothy, who was a younger pastor, pastoring in a very difficult city, the city of Ephesus. And he says to him that he should preach the word and that he mm-hmm. should be, you know, he should be, you know, uh, long-suffering in his doctrine, his commitment to the Word. He should engage in reproving and rebuking. He should do all of this in accordance with what? With the Word. Oh and so um, I think that question is really important, Virgil, because a lot of pastors might see a heavy-handed approach in, in their churches uh, regarding some personalities right. that can try to be dominant yes. personalities, yes. women who want to take authority and and, and sort of take those reins of authority. Um, I, I just think a pastor has to do so with gentleness and patience, mm-hmm. but he, nevertheless, he has to do it. Mm-hmm. He has to actually lead her to the Scripture, sit down with she and her husband and point them to the Word of God. And you know what? It might actually correct some problems that are happening at home mm-hmm. as yeah, well. That's really good. Yeah. yeah. You got anything to add to that? Yeah, I was. I, I think it's very important that pastors invest in the men in their church in particular. Mm-hmm. Often, often women uh, uh, 
viewing their own role in an unbiblical way is indicative of men who are not actually leading, like you mentioned, Josh, in their homes and in the church. Strong men who Mm -hmm. are being taught what what it means to be a biblical man love strong women. Yeah. But but we're gonna lead our homes, we're gonna listen to the counsel of our wives, we're gonna we're gonna, you know, rear our children together, but Mm -hmm. then recognizing God's God's role. And so I think, you know, Virgil, you mentioned earlier the kind of rise of women's teaching, women's Bible studies and all of that. And there's a place for that and that can be good. But it really has almost gotten out of hand in evangelicalism. And I'm, I mean, you know, Beth Moore pulled out of the SBC and all of that. But I remember hearing, you know, in, in years gone by, I mean, Lifeway basically existed on the sales of Beth Moore materials. Mm-hmm. I mean, w- male versus women aside, she had a lot of theological issues. Um, but, but again, that just illustrates the 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 lack of of recognition of a strong man leading his home strong pastors who are men because that's the definition of a pastor leading in their churches uh, equipping the women in the congregation and then equipping the older wise women to be able to invest in the younger women to to help them as well uh, so I, I think it's so important that we invest in our men yeah. Yeah. and that's going to solve a lot of problems down the road I, I really like what you said there because what, what it does is it, it places uh, it uses the word of God as a as a mirror. Right? And, and forces us as men to examine our own lives to determine how are we leading in our mm-hmm. homes. And, and I, I could venture to say when, whenever I felt that that, that pressure uh, in ways that were unbiblical and, 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 a, and a leading from, from the wife, uh, it was a situation where, where she, she was following the natural order of, of a man who wasn't taking the proper role that mm. he needed to take, that I needed to take uh, in those instances. I, I, I think, I, I mean, as you said that, I, I, I kind of felt the wave of personal conviction in the past. It just, it's a quick reminder as I kind of went back and looked at the Rolodex of my life, so to speak, and go, you know what? I need to, I need to, th- that was a time when I wasn't doing the right thing. Because if men don't stand up and lead, the women will fill that vacuum. Sure. Yeah. That's exactly what happened with Deborah, Yeah. right? Deborah, the example of Deborah in the Old Testament is not, God saying, "Hey, I'm I'm ordaining this woman to be a leader." Yeah. She stepped in because Barak failed to lead. Actually she a, was an illustration of God's curse judgment. and right. judgment, <laughs> not, you know. So, I don't blame Deborah necessarily. She was filling the gap because no one else stood in the gap, and that's what I think we're seeing happen in the church, which is again why I say we've got to invest in men. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know to that point, Scott, you you see Historically, you know, say the past 50 years within evangelical circles, you walk into the church on the average Lord's Day and you see far more women yeah. than you do men. Mm-hmm. So so that's a problem. Uh, we, we definitely need to be discipling our, our boys to grow up mm-hmm. and to be yes. faithful men. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but also, to the point earlier, we need to be investing in these men, but, but we also need to be mindful of the fact that not every man is this, this just roaring, bold personality. Absolutely. And sometimes a more passive man marries a more bold woman. Mm-hmm. And so in that case, he's going to have to work extra hard mm-hmm. to be a faith. He doesn't have to be someone that he's not. Right. right. But what he has to do is he has to be uh, taking his leadership responsibilities in his home seriously. Yeah, absolutely. yeah it's not about personality. You don't That's have right. to be this rugged, loud, bombastic yeah. man. It's about doing what God has called you to do and leading in your home and leading within the church. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's a good word. I, I think it's a good place to kind of park the car and, 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 and think through what we've talked about related to uh, how the church should function. 
uh, the fact that, that that men are to lead and we're to do so according to God's word, uh, that we have a responsibility to look into the text of Scripture, understand what it means and know what 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 a, what a role is for a qualified man as it pertains to uh, being a pastor uh, and the role of a, of a strong woman who loves God to, to find a place in the church uh, to, to serve. Uh, uh, Josh, I'm going to ask you as we as we kind of wrap things up, because I, I remember as we were putting together uh, the uh, the expository teaching workshops, uh, how you, you talked about the importance of the roles that women can, can operate in. We talk about, you know, where they shouldn't be, uh, but, but what are some of the roles and places and spaces where women should be serving, where women should look yeah. for opportunities? Yeah, I think that's a great question, Virgil, um, because we, we do, we, we do end up, you know, fighting these battles. And, and as a result of that, we end up really talking about the negatives. Sure. And we talk about what women can't do and, and, and then we don't really spend enough time talking about what women can do. Mm. Let's just be honest. If the church is going to be what God intends for the local church to be and to function the way that God has intended according to his blueprint, mm-hmm. then it can't just be dominated by just men. I mean, you obviously have to have men taking the leadership responsibilities seriously, but you also have to have women there that are serving and that are engaging and investing, mm. discipling children, discipling other women, uh, serving in in ways and in, in as far as like the music of the church right. is concerned. Hospitality. There's hospitality. Mm. There's assisting deacons and helping with you know all sorts of things within the life of the church. If if all of the women just decided to just sit and do nothing, then the church cannot be a healthy church. Yeah. Yeah. It will not be a healthy yeah. church. Yeah. The other thing I think of is is men who have strong women who whose wives a pray for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, th- I think of my wife Tamika, and and I there be I would not be where I where I am. Uh, without the prayers of my wife, mm-hmm. uh, praying for me, caring for me, uh, coming alongside me, encouraging me, mm-hmm. uh, all that you see me do is is in no is no small part uh, due to her her coming alongside yeah. uh, and, and and helping in that process, yeah. whether it was with kids at home or, or or cooking meals or what have you. All of those pieces of the puzzle were critically important. Uh, to the life of the church as I served, as she came alongside and served as well. So, yeah, and, yeah. And, and all three of us at this table <laughs> are strong leaders, mm-hmm. um, but we don't have wives that are just sitting back in a corner and just staring at the floor. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, Not a one I of know us. all Not a three one. of our wives, and, and, and they're very gifted, yes. they're capable, mm-hmm. they have strong personalities, but you know what? There's a place for that. Absolutely. And you know what? They also... They also know their roles and their mm-hmm. responsibilities, Absolutely. and they take those responsibilities seriously. Yeah. And that's a beautiful thing when you it see is. that. It is. Yeah. It is. So it's definitely the beauty of God's design. And when you see it and experience it, it's absolutely, absolutely life changing. Uh, it's with that. I think we're going to close at this point. Anything else, you gentlemen, want to want to drop in on on everybody? No, I just think that again, just a concluding remark would be that to what Scott said earlier, mm-hmm. if we really truly believe that the Bible is sufficient for all of life and faith, then we have to come away with this idea that that the Bible actually touches on this issue and is very clear. It's not silent. Right. It's not ambiguous on this issue, but is very clear about this issue. And so rather than trying to figure out which way the culture is right, going, right. What, you know, what way is the wind blowing, <laughs> um, and trying to stay ahead of that, mm. if you do that, you're always going to be running to the left. Mm-hmm. 
but instead you you should be very much committed to what is what is in the Bible, what does the Bible teach, and be committed to truth Absolutely. without apology. Yeah. It, it's with that, man, that I'm excited that, that we're here, that we do what we do, because I know that we're, as, as, a, as a ministry of G3, we're committed to staying in that lane of truth. And th- those who will join us will, those who won't will go their direction. Uh, my hope is that you will join us, mm-hmm. uh, that you'll join us on September 21st through the 23rd uh, here in Atlanta for the G3 conference, the national conference uh, on, on the doctrine of, of, of the sovereignty of God. It's going to be an amazing, amazing time. Kids are going to be there. Families are going to be there. It is. I, I, I don't know how much more I could stress to you uh, our desire to have you join us. It's going to be an amazing time. Uh, you'll want to be with us. Go to g3men.org uh, and get registered. In addition to that, if you liked what you heard, uh, definitely like, share, subscribe. In addition, uh, give. Uh, go to g3men.org forward slash give and support a ministry like G3 that has made a commitment to stand on the truth of the Word of God and its proclamation. So it's with that that I, I, I would encourage you to join us. Scott, you had anything you wanted to add? With the- uh, well, yeah, just one thing real quickly. I would encourage you, if you uh, haven't checked out the G3 Church Network, to do mm-hmm. so. Uh, we talked earlier about having a sort of a confessional doctrinal standards for unity. Yeah. And that's one thing that we prioritize with the, with the church network. And so uh, if you're a pastor and haven't checked out the network, please do. If you're a church member, uh, let your pastor know about the network. We'd love to have you. If you're a, a Baptist church with a Reformed soteriology and ecclesiology, uh, we'd love to partner with you in the network. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great ways to connect with us. We hope that you will. Thank you for joining us on this edition of the G3 Podcast.